there, all you true crime fans. We have a new podcast to recommend for you. It's True Crime in the 50, a podcast that takes a look at serial killers, murders, and disappearances and frauds that rocked each and every state across the country. Every two weeks, host Katie Accardo brings you the craziest crime from each state, starting with Alabama. She covers it all from more well-known criminals like Illinois' Drew Peterson and Arizona's Jody Arias to lesser-known crimes like Hawaii's Missing Women, Diane Suzuki, and Lisa Au, and the Quadruple Mansion Murders in Maryland. Or tune in to hear about the true crime epidemic of Montana's Indigenous women. If you like fraud cases, she's got those too. Listen to Iowa's huge hot lotto scammer Eddie Tipton or Florida's famous Miss Cleo and the Psychic Readers Network. True Crime in the 50 has something for everyone. So take a road trip across this country and check out the True Crime in 50 podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey queens, are you ready to level up? Then join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy where you can find weekly bonus content and FDS commentary on all the latest pop culture relationship and dating news. If you just want to listen to the extra bonus content, we have the lurker mode tier on our Patreon. If you want merchandise, access to the private FDS Patreon discord, which also includes a monthly book club with FDS and feminist themed books, as well as FDS merchandise, t-shirts, mugs, and the opportunity to discuss topics with the FDS podcast queens live as well as submit stories for our Rose Disco Queen and Gnosis discussions on the podcast itself. So if you'd like access to all this and more, visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. What's up, queens? Welcome to the female dating strategy podcast, the meanest female only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. This week, we're going to dissect one of the most popular posts on the Female Dating Strategy website. That's at thefemaledatingstrategy.com. And it's called 37 Lies You Were Taught About Men. This I I actually think. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of the, it's, it's a rapid fire post. It's just a list, but it has in condensed in 37 points so many of the different concepts that we cover um, on female dating strategy so we wanted to kind of go through them one by one Uh, there's a few of them we've done full episodes on and explained in detail and then a few that we think we're going to plan future episodes on but we kind of wanted to give it we kind of wanted to give it this proper due because it's so cohesive and then gives a, a large chunk of female dating strategy and what we're trying to accomplish a framework what i love about this is it's like a machine it's like a machine gun, just like boop, 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 just mowing down all the male lies all in one place. Because a lot of men, you know, spread these kinds of narratives to benefit themselves, but they're not true. And that's what we're, we at the Female Dating Strategy, we're all about debunking male myths. And it's not even just men, it's also like women as well, like mainstream media. <laughs> we've, uh, <laughs> we've carefully documented this several times. They also push these myths as well, which are just completely false and do not benefit women in any way, shape or form. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Yeah, a lot of these lies I actually learned from female families. So it wasn't just uh, men perpetuating these myths, but it's, yeah. this is like a comprehensive part of patriarchy, right? They may not have known better, right? So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that they knew that these things weren't true it's just that like this is the popular culture this is the things they were taught these things that they were told this exists within the religious community this exists within secular media these are just certain types of myths that women are taught to do which essentially are not true or exist only to give men the upper hand and to 
make women more easily exploitable. It's very sad, actually, when I see women perpetuating lies about men. Like, I saw on Twitter the other day a woman saying, like, oh, you know, men are men who are abusive, you know, usually have abusive mothers. And I linked my Lundy Bancroft uh, screenshot about how men actually... <laughs> Yeah, you know, fa- exactly. I said I was like this, you know, that's what men say, but it's generally not true. But uh that's a, a lie that men say that they, so that they can blame their abuse on a woman. Uh more often than not men learn their abusiveness from other men, right? But they don't want again, men don't want you to know that because uh that would put the blame on a man. It would put the onus on them to improve. Then the jig would be up. Exactly, the jig would be up, right? So that's what we're we're coming for you, Scrooge. We're coming for your lies. We're coming for your propaganda. So rule number 1 ugly men will treat you better because they'll be so grateful to have female attention false lies and this lie is often said to get women to settle because these men know that physically they're not up to par so they try and say that oh um you know if a guy's attractive he'll treat you like shit you always and it's just like if you go into any of the of the dating um you know subreddits and a woman is saying i'm struggling to find a partner almost definitely there'll be men in the comments saying you need to lower your standards like this lie does not benefit women at all because it's also not true like some of the the worst men <laughs> also ugly as fuck yeah are also, <laughs> are also i mean they're not even ugly they're just not really conventionally attractive i mean some of them are just audacious and ugly as well but or they're just not very conventionally attractive you ain't gotta lie savannah <laughs> you can just say so you ain't gotta be nice on this one savannah I'm kidding, go ahead. Let's play. I'm They're not ugly. They're just not conventionally <laughs> just attractive. Just say it. Say it. Just say the words. <laughs> Do it. I unfortunately used to buy into this myth a lot because of, I think it was mostly like my own insecurity. I thought that like, oh, if I'm dating a man who's, and, I mean, insecurity and also like buying into male propaganda where, I, yeah, I thought like, oh, if I date a guy who's less attractive than me, then he'll appreciate me more or treat me better. And that's not fucking true. I find if anything, some of the most abusive, most psychologically, like emo- and psychologically and emotionally abusive men are ugly men because they'll do, they'll like try to break down your self-esteem slowly and surely so that you, instead of feeling like you're better than him, he wants to like bring you down to his level. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, so like they, they do that on purpose to, so that you don't leave, right? So that you don't realize that you can do better. Ugly men hate women the most also because they feel rejected and they feel they're, they resent women for not giving them, them the attention that they feel that they're entitled to. And when they finally do find a woman who gives them attention, they psychologically break her down so that she never tries to leave. I strongly feel that ugly men started a petition to the government to disseminate the fact that they were sexually desirable partners uh, through some kind of government psyop. That's my own. <laughs> no, manosphere. It's not a government psyop. It's just all the ugly guys got together and did the it created the manosphere to help perpetuate that. No, no, this this myth actually exists. This this is a pre-manosphere myth. This is a myth that's been going on forever. This is like an old timey myth, mm. quite frankly, about how um women need to lower their standards in the way that men look because basically basically the idea is that In a patriarchy, women are required to make trade-offs, trade-offs and attraction if you need to get married to support yourself. I mean, we have like fairy tales to that effect, right? The propaganda has been never ending that, oh, you should lower your standards. Look at that kind-hearted guy that's not the most attractive, but might have a good heart. And the idea is to get you to marry that guy so you can have some kind of security, even though you're not necessarily sexually attracted to him. But the problem is, is that in practice, because all men are indoctrinated into patriarchy, like they don't like this, not like a 
men are consuming different media if they're ugly, if they're not ugly, or consuming different cultural tropes. They all think they're a Chad, right? Until they figure out through rejection that they're actually ugly. So, but even if they figure out they're actually ugly, they're you can you see how the incels act, right? Like they're still bitter, resentful. They want the government to come in and like split up women so they can have access to women. So the problem is cultural. It's the things that men learn and those things that they learn don't discriminate by looks. And quite frankly, it's a crapshoot about what kinds of things men believe and see and do. And it's, you know, based on their family upbringing as well as how much they consume culture. And so it could be very ugly. Men are very, very entitled and men who are very, very attractive may be less entitled. Like this is not, it's not any type of distribution in the way that the manosphere likes to suggest. The manosphere is the one that tried to make it seem like it was just like some kind of simple formula to that effect. It's just so false. Yeah, like the way that men treat you is largely based on the upbringing that they got and not on their looks. So there are lots of, you know, there are lots of men who are raised but with mothers like Gail Dines, you know, who raise them to respect women and that could be regardless of their looks. So, And also my experience as well, like, the more attractive men I've come across, like they've actually treated me a lot better than the less attractive ones. Because, yep. I mean, this is a very, very small sample size. Like, I'm not saying that attractive men can't be dickheads. They absolutely can. But I find, in my experience, that the more attractive men, they knew, they also knew how to speak to women. Yeah, because they... Because they talk to more women. It's because yeah, they, they talk, talk to, more to more women. women. Yeah, these unattractive men, they often don't know... Um, they often don't know how to speak to women they're very socially awkward and then because they then start blaming women for ignoring them like it's essentially just a loop of extremely negative feedback for them which basically fuels their entitlement and hatred of women whereas the more attractive men because they come across more women they actually know how to speak to women as well so that's just my very anecdotal experience and the patriarchy would also have you believe that you can't have both you can't have a guy you're genuinely attracted to and who treats you well and again it's not true it might take you long i mean it might take you longer to find such a man but they do exist in my experience the guys that are very mid are the ones that are most insecure they're not ugly but they're not hot either but those are the guys that i've i've been blindsided several times as far as them actually being players because i just sort of thought they were normal guys but then you realize underneath there they're trying to be like the the handsome guys and feel like they get a lot of attention for women so they're almost in some respects more likely to engage in manipulative tactics so it's yeah. like yeah I'm 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 more suspicious of like midway attractive men than I am a suspicious <laughs> of attractive men. Yeah, there are some ugly guys who just own it. They just like I I do know a few men like that where like they know they're ugly and they just accept that and just, you know, they <laughs> and they don't hate women. Some guys are just like that, you know, they're just like, "Ah, I guess I'm just going to be an incel like whatever kind of thing." Or they just learn how to be friends with women and they attract women through friendship groups. Yeah. Every woman's not equally beautiful either, right? Like there's plenty of people who are not the most attractive people who find love and it's fine. It's just, you have to learn pro-social skills. Very true. It's just, it's a little harder, but pro-social skills become a little bit more important, but it doesn't mean that these guys inherently treat women better. I want to rant real quick about how men often say, and I see this all the time on Twitter, uh, men often act like, throwback to what Savannah said earlier about how men act like it's impossible to have a guy who both is attractive and treats you well. 
Like they'll they'll often quote retweet me in a hostile way and be like, "Oh, these FDS women with their impossible standards! How dare they want to fuck men they're attracted to? They're supposed to suffer and hate sex and do it as a duty until they're resentful and then divorce rape them at forty because they decide that this is not worth it anymore." Yeah, no, I want to do a whole episode almost on just like how men. This is such a projection though because men have these men have standards for women that are literally contradictory. In my personal experience, for example, men will be like, oh, you know, I like your body, but I resent how much time you spend in the gym to achieve it. You know, you should be naturally beautiful uh, or you should have a naturally perfect body or, um, you know, they'll, they, (laughs) they, they expect me to stay a size four or whatever. But if I eat a salad or whatever, they're weirdly hostile to that. Like they want me to eat what they eat, which is like burgers and like pizza and shit. And if I eat like in a healthier way, they'll just, they'll resent me for that too kind of thing. So men have literal men have contradictory standards for women. And if they're contradictory, they're impossible. There's nothing contradictory about wanting a man who's both attractive and treats you well. They're not mutually exclusive things. So, but I'm going to do a whole other episode on that because fuck those guys. Anyways. So lie number two, Older men are more mature and better in bed. Eh. False. Yeah. We did an episode <laughs> about this called uh, Age Gaps and Old Man Peen. Um, first of all, like, men who go after much younger women are generally predatory and are actually generally worse because they know that they can't get, they can't impress a woman their own age. So they have to go for a much younger woman who doesn't know any better, or has no basis of comparison to make himself look good. And the second part, erectile dysfunction in older men is real. So, Yeah. Granted, young guys now have a rec- uh, porn-induced erectile dysfunction, so there's that. Uh, the only thing that older guys have going for them is that they haven't been watching, you know, violent abuse porn on Pornhub since the age of, like, eight. Um, but they, they're catching up. But <laughs> that's not even up. a guarantee anymore. Like, boomers no, and boomers is a thing, so, yeah. They might have more money, maybe, sort of, kind of, if they're, than maybe the guys your age. But also maybe. Also big maybe. So anyways. They also might be living at home, as we discussed in our last bonus content. So yeah, it's a massive gamble. So you may as well not bother, to be honest. Yeah. So check out our Age Gaps and Old Men, old men Peen episode for more discussion on that one. Also, I've never met a guy who's 50 who was more attractive than when he was 20. Okay. True. Men, the same man. Yeah, some men can look good. You know, some men are like silver foxes or whatever. But most of those guys looked good. They were already attractive. Yeah, they were already attractive, even in their 20s and 30s, right? So, yeah. yeah. Date someone your own fucking age. God, okay. Um, (laughs) Lie number three. If you're really a bad bitch, then men won't treat you badly. If you're attracting bums, it's your fault. Ooh. (laughs) And so, Lindy Bancroft, um, in... The in the episode that we recorded with him, he touched on this a lot. And he basically said that the reason why so many women end up with, you know, bad and abusive men is because there are so many bad and abusive men. It's not something that the individual woman is doing. It's just because there are so many shitty men out there. This is a victim blaming tactic by men to say that if you're being abused, it's automatically your fault. Uh, for picking these guys. But I think this is actually in the Patreon part of the episode. But like you said, a lot of these behaviors are cultural. I just kind of started a tweet about um, conflict that's going on right now in uh, Afghanistan because a lot of Muslim women there are choosing not to wear the hijab. And so basically the scrotes are stroking out and trying to murder them and run up in the house, et cetera. So is it their fault because they're picking the bad guys? No, it's just that the entire culture has created a very, very hostile environment such that if you date at all, you're going to be very likely to pick a guy who believes these things. And that's why 
for women, the change when it comes to our dating pool has to happen on the cultural level. It's not as individualist as it is for men. Whereas like if they're failing, generally they're failing because they personally suck. For women, a lot of times it's just pervasive cultural attitudes that don't benefit us, in which case we have to change it via feminism, education, ruthless strategy, and cutting guys off. Yeah, I will say like the only, there may be a grain of truth in this that um, if men get the impression that you're not the, that you're the sort of woman who doesn't put up with shit and they really, 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 really want to fuck you, they might pretend and hide all their bad qualities, yeah. right? And then their their abusiveness or their bad traits won't come out until later, until after they've had sex or after they're you're married to them or after, mm. um, you know, you they've gotten you pregnant or something like that. So that's another thing to be aware of. Like, just because, I, Grant, like, don't go out there and like act all vulnerable and stuff. Like, you know, to see if <laughs> to see if the guy doesn't treat you well, right? Um, as a vetting strategy, like, definitely you know, be a ruthless queen, but also be mindful that just because a man is acting high value right now doesn't mean that he won't, that he's not hiding his his low value traits. And also in our El Kamihira episode, uh, we talked about how a lot of times men seek out women who are competent, that it is, you know, there's a couple of different facets and a couple of different types of abusers. And some men like the process of trying to conquer and humble a truly strong and independent woman and they can be very manipulative in the way that they do that. So sometimes it's not even just attractiveness. It's just that like you actually being a competent, well-rounded, attractive person attracts more bums to you because first of all, the kind of loser guys look at you like a trophy, but also the men who are uh, truly nefarious, they look at you like, Oh, we got to humble her. Like she's, you know, we don't like that. She has this kind of confidence. Mm-hmm. I've said this before as well, but when I was in like the BDSM like scene, like Doms would say, um, that, that they tended to get more out of, you know, dominating a submissive who was, you know, strong, independent, um, you know, outside BDSM because they saw that as a bigger challenge and they felt just essentially they got a lot more out of, you know, dominating her than your stereotypical submissive who was very dependent. So that dynamic was also at play even there as well. See, I just see that as proof that BDSM is about uh, being like a water carrier, like reinforcing patriarchy, because it like there's so much porn, for example, of like, oh, conquering a feminist or uh, there's even porn of like uh, where there's like a dominatrix and then a man like breaks in and like rapes her or something like that. Right. Like they yeah. like the idea of conquering a strong or a dominant woman. It's about punishing women for you know, not being submissive, right? They don't get as much excitement. They're, they see a woman who's already submissive and they're like, nah, like, you know, you're already brainwashed. There's nothing I can do. They want to take the one who's not brainwashed and then brainwash her. Um, yeah. But yeah, but just to wrap up the point about, um, you know, if you're attracting bums, it's your fault. No, it's not. A lot of men's are, men are just bums. And I also want to point out how a lot of these guys who say this kind of stuff, like they'll, they'll say, they'll blame women for choosing the wrong man. But then when women start raising their standards and rejecting shitty men, that's when they go, oh, my God, you're rejecting too many guys. Like, yeah, they're never you know? happy. So do what's best for you. <laughs> exactly. Put yourself first. Sis. Don't worry about um, what men do. And also, this is a very pernicious myth because it's a way of getting women to blame themselves rather than blame men or to uh, change the culture. And men don't want us to change the culture. They want it to stay that way because it benefits them. Lie number four. You should always pay your own way on dates because he'll be impressed you're an independent woman who don't need a man. And it's the only way to establish an equal relationship and gain a man's respect. Ugh, false. 
false. No. Yeah. First of all, FDS is not looking for an equal relationship. We're looking for an equitable relationship and they are not the same thing. Yeah. So first of all, um, yeah, I used to, I also used to buy into this myth that, you know, I'll whip out the wallet on the first date, show them your boss bitch kind of thing. And I find the problem with this is that the only men that you end up attracting are users and bums yeah. and men who are like, yes, I really like the idea of a woman paying for me kind of thing, right? Like, and cheapskates, yeah. And cheapskates, right? Like, the, and I feel really bad for women who, and I, I encounter women saying this all the time where they're like, oh, I want him to see me as an equal. I don't want to feel like I owe him anything. And it's like, no, when you pay on a date, sis, like, he doesn't see you as an equal. He sees you as a sucker. Yeah. Okay. Like, actual high value men, like the sort of men you want to date, um, they're, they'll either be like, kind of neutral about it but uh, they'll either be like not that impressed or like kind of neutral or sometimes they'll even be a little bit uncomfortable um by that like some men like they take pride in being generous and in paying for the woman and if she whips out the wallet you know it's seen as like he some men will see that as almost like emasculating or something um which is also maybe a yellow flag but you know but i think this is uh, one of those pervasive uh, cultural myths that was a product of second wave feminism and kind of continues because the general push with feminism has been, you know, too much to our, our uh, disapproval. Chagrin. Uh, chagrin, yeah. Uh, to our disapproval is that um, the way to establish equality is to divorce yourself from the idea that there are sex differences. And so then mm. if you pay for a man, you're establishing economic equality with him in that date. But as we know, we've talked about this, you can't really go 50-50 on a baby when it comes to household chores, when it comes to household maintenance. A lot of those things still tend to fall on women. Men have not evolved to the point that they can do those things. They definitely will never evolve to the point where they can carry a child. So um, at this point, you have to seek out a situation that's equitable for you instead of trying to uh, focus on equality. And furthermore, because of the fact that a lot of like women were doing this, the red pill scrotes figured out, oh, I can go on a bunch of cheap dates. I can plate multiple women. Yeah. I can plate a lot of women because it doesn't cost them anything anymore. The idea is to make your dates caught, like you're, to make going out with you costly enough that a man who, like a guy who's like a West End K- Caleb, check Twitter for that. West uh, but like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a guy who is like seek, simply seeking cheap sex and simply seeking a lot of dates won't be able to go through you because it'll cost him too much to do that. Like you'll have to be way more strategic about the women that he targets that he's genuinely interested in Where right now these guys can just go and swipe right on everything. And then if you pay for everything or you pay for him and some of these red pill guys are having women pay for them, um, then it doesn't cost them anything. They can do this in perpetuity and they, you know, they, they, uh, they're basically getting women out of their price range who are actually (laughs) this myth benefits fuck boys only. And you're also setting the tone for the rest of your relationship. If you decide to get into a relationship with a man who's willing to go 50-50 on the date, he will spend the rest of the relationship 50-50, even when it's not fair to you. There are so many stories of, you know, women saying, you know, my boyfriend earns six figures and I'm on, you know, 50K and we split everything 50-50 to the point where it's literally impoverishing them and he's stacking his savings. Like, if you're going 50-50 at dinner, you are setting 
essentially setting the tone for the rest of the relationship. He's not all of a sudden going to turn around and then start, you know, spoiling you and treating you like the way you deserve to be treated because the behavior you accept in the beginning is what will continue. Yeah, this this myth I feel rewards fuckboys. It's been a gift to and shitty cheap, men. cheap yeah. low value men. What we need to do like like not just us at FDS, but I mean, like, women overall, like, on the wider culture, we need to make dating more costly for men so that fuckboys can't afford to be fuckboys, right? Like, and the only idea- the best men compete as well. Yeah. If you raise the price of entry, only the best ones will compete. And that's the way it should be. Yeah, but the idea is more about, um, like, we want men to be more selective as well. Like, th- this is another thing. Like, men often say, like, oh, like you know, F- you delusional FDS women, you want standards, but you don't think men should have standards. No, we think men should have standards. We would like men to be more selective and invest in a smaller number of women, ideally one woman, rather than investing a very small amount in a lot of women. Like, you know, basically being community dick, right? So, yeah, that's why dating should be costly to men. It's something that they want, and if it's costly to them, they'll limit the number of women they fuck around with. Um Okay. Five, bringing up the fact that you're looking for a committed relationship early will scare him away. So it's better to play it cool. I don't know where that myth came from, but I I distinctly remember a lot of dating coaches advising that like, oh, never come on too strong. Like you're looking for a serious relationship because it seems like you don't have any uh, options, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a way to communicate that you're looking for something serious without without being a downer. uh, (laughs) Yeah, without being a downer or like acting like you don't have options. And also, quite frankly, I don't know why people seem to think that it's women's responsibility to trick men into relationships. Yeah. That also seems like maybe a boomer era thing where it was like you would always see the at least I I don't know where it came from, but I just remember seeing a lot of like um, holiday like gift (laughs) gift cards at the store or like uh, magnets and bumper stickers. And it would always be some woman like uh, dragging her husband to the to the aisle. Yeah. Down the altar or to the altar. Drag your husband down <laughs> down the aisle to the altar to get married. So I feel like this is like leftover boomer humor. Maybe I don't know. I I do think I. So there's a grain of truth in this. In that, um, the generally speaking, the less interested person in the relationship has more power. And so my mm. my my FDS like angle on this is first of all like, um, you know, don't like throw yourself at men like don't chase men either right so but it's it's okay to make it clear that you want something serious and that you're not gonna just like have sex on the first date or that you're not gonna like uh you're not down with friends with benefits that kind of stuff like yeah in hindsight this is probably just an extension of cool girling now that i'm thinking about it yeah it's like it's um because of the entire like sex positive casual sex sex hookup culture thing it became uncool to say you're looking for a committed relationship up front you're supposed to be cool with having sex and hooking up and then seeing where things go yeah because you were like being you're being uh, desperate or clingy or needy or um yeah if you if you require any type of commitment before having sex with someone yeah that's why my fds advice or my fds spin on this would be like okay the other thing is some for some men if you tell them early on that you want a relationship they'll pretend to be relation like they'll say all the things that you want to hear they'll future fake with you they'll pretend to be a great boyfriend right up until they have sex with you and then they'll ghost after so what i personally do when i'm dating is I, I keep in mind my goal that I want a relationship. Um, but I don't like, 
I just don't throw myself at the man. I let him kind of come to me. And that puts you in the position of power rather than with a lot of women who say, I'm looking for a committed relationship. Don't hurt me. I'm not here to play games. And then what happens is like, oh, the fuck boys think she's here to play games. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I'm here to play games with her or, or it's going to be fun to do that. I think the idea is that, again, if you make it somewhat costly to get to you, even if he turns out to be a fuck boy later, like you think he's all in the relationship and then he eventually goes to you. That's still vastly better than like having sex on his uh, mattress on the floor after a drunken night at the bar and then you just wake up feeling cheap and gross and the guy's ignoring you right from now on like at least make him put some kind of effort up front so i think sometimes signaling that you are more interested in a committed relationship forces him to realize he's going to have to put some effort in to have sex with you rather than the alternative which is just cheap sex unless you're looking for cheap sex in which case listen to our casual sex episode (laughs) so like no but my my strategy is to um like, I know that I want a relationship, but I, so I make it clear that I'm looking for a relationship, but that I'm not necessarily in, uh, not with them, not necessarily, right? not necessarily with, with them. them. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but, and this is the other thing is a lot of men will, will rush to commit once they realize that you're, you know, potentially dating other men and so on. Right. So, um, as long if I like to keep my op- options open personally, um, you know, if a man shows me a sufficient level of commitment and wooing, then I'll have, uh, then yeah, I'll have a relationship with him. But um, yeah, it's not about like, basically what I hate about rule five is like, it's, uh, it creates the groundwork for you to be like a casual sex partner for a man before he commits to you. And so if you just as a personal rule, don't have sex with men, unless you're in a community, unless you're in a committed relationship with them, then that will, it sets a boundary. It sets a boundary and it motivates them to commit to you more. And you can decide at any point you don't want to commit a relationship with them and you've still gotten the benefit of them believing you might. So then they, they start to invest in you and take you out or treat you nice, maybe nicer than they would a hookup. So that's the other Why reason. Why number six? A man should be able to expect sex after the first or after the third date. No. I have to say this, this before FDS, I had actually internalized this concept to the point where I would actually get enormous anxiety at the thought of having a third date with a man because I thought, oh, if we have a third date, that means I have to have sex with him. Like it felt, it felt like something that wasn't optional. Yeah. Or like he would start to expect sex and that I was being unreasonable if I didn't want to have sex with the person after a third date. And a lot of uh, the third, I can't, I cannot remember again, where, where did the three date rule come to be? I think it's once again, one of those things that men just asserted and then libfem media like fell all over itself to be the cool girls and say like, it's unreasonable. You know, if you don't know after the third date, if you want to have sex with some guy and like, I think the third date is actually way too soon (laughs) to know if you want to have sex with someone. Yeah. Like a met, I, I think it's a deliberate male psyop because it's so easy to pretend to be a good person for three dates. Um, and I think it's also just a way of men being like, okay, this is a, I'm going to put a cap on this. Like you can't expect me to spend more time. And, you know, um, it's a man's way of like assuring that they can get sex with minimal investment. It's like, this is a cap on how much yeah. I'm willing to invest in you before uh, you fuck me kind of thing. And when you look at like relationship advice forums on Reddit, they they all act like it's unreasonable for women to not know if they want to have sex with a guy after a third date. It's like, oh well, you can't be you can't uh, be surprised if he moves on, et cetera, et cetera. And like that, if you don't know right away, that you're the problem. 
Yeah, exactly. And these, you know, these these myths also stack up. If you think of the myth that says, you know, if you pay 50-50, you're a strong, independent woman. And then, you know, this myth that says if you, you know, you have to sleep with him, you know, by the third day, you know, what does it circle back to increasing um, like men's access to women? That's essentially what it circles back to, which which is the bedrock of patriarchy. And you're essentially susceptible to fuckboys who, who basically want a free prostitute. I remember FGS used to get really, really slammed for using that term a lot, but that's essentially what a lot of these men are looking for, is just a free prostitute. Yeah, exactly. They're not looking for a relationship. They're not looking for emotional intimacy. And also, here's the thing. Um, it is possible to... Like, here's the thing. I could, like, know that I want to have sex with a guy on the third date and still want to wait just because I want to vet yeah. more. Right? Yeah. And also, I like the anticipation as well. I like the build-up. It's not all about the end result as well. There's also that, too. It's also possible to be intimate with somebody without having sex with them. Yeah. Like, there, here's the thing, like, generally, within the first, like, 15 minutes of meeting a guy, I already know in my head whether I think he's fuckable or not, um, you know, but from that, the re you know, the purpose of the dates is to find out if he's the sort of person that um, is, yeah, basically a way of making him invest, because I'm just the sort of person, like, I know that if I have, we talked about this in the casual sex episode, I get attached, emotionally attached during sex, I don't want to get attached to someone who's not in it for the long haul, or who doesn't really care about me, or who sees me as a sex object, or who's going to do fucked up porny shit to me, I know that I can't handle that, right? So the purpose of the vetting is to make sure that he's not like that before I'm naked in bed with him. Um, but weirdly enough, under liberal feminism, they use sex as a vetting strategy. They're like... So <laughs> Yeah, so I was actually just going to make that comment. I now remember where some of that came from it was from sex therapists or sex educators, not even really a real therapist, like she's just a person with a column of people like Gigi Angle. Mm -hmm. And Gigi Angle had an article where she said that, oh, I have sex with men on the first date to see if we're sexually compatible because I don't want to waste my time. And oh I'm like, God. you don't know that guy. She's dumb. She's really dumb. She's done so much harm to women in the overall culture. And I really can't stand her as a person <laughs> just watching her like smug nonsense. But there's been a lot of these like pro-sex, posi-sex, quote-unquote, sex educators who literally made advice columns advising women to sleep with men early to test sexual compatibility as if there's not a million other ways to test sexual compatibility before you and, and intimacy before you have actual physical sex. Yeah. Which we've, we've now corrected by creating our own strategies, which I know we had an episode called, uh, pre-sexual compatibility tests, I think. Yeah. Pre-sexual compatibility tests. And we'll have more um, episodes around sex, um, coming up, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a corrective thing that we're doing now is like, because like the insane people like Gigi Angle and what's that, what's that other one? Uh, Carly Ciarotino. Yeah. Fuck them on the first date to see if, you know, you don't want to waste your time. Like, Oh my God, girl. Like that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I feel like they get off on the shock value and a cavalcade of bad decisions. And then because they're the type of women who don't have any boundaries, they like to shame other women who have boundaries and seem like, I think they're just rewriting their narrative to seem empowered and progressive. Oh, the other thing is like the culture nowadays, like, although the rule says, or the, the lie, it says like three dates, th there's this weird thing now in the past couple of years where it's almost seen as unreasonable 
to to wait even three like even three dates now is seen as unreasonable like you know if you're not willing to fuck them on the first date it's like what's wrong with you kind of thing oh are you a prude or like some guys like just have so much scrote audacity that they're like no fuck me before i take you on the date so that i know if you're the kind of woman yeah that's a red flag so that i know if you're the kind of woman i who I deem worthy of taking on a date. Like, you know, like, so it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Don't fall for it. Ladies. They have everything and they're still being even worse. Yeah. Right. So that, I mean, like not to bring up West end Caleb yet again, but that's, I mean, he's essentially the type of guy that thrives in this environment. Like he can have sex with one woman, the same and be texting another woman, like the same night and going on dates the same day. So, and that, and that's because you haven't made it costly enough to go on each date for him to actually invest in each date. And also a lot of women are having sex with these guys before they really know them. So then they're being, they're finding out that he's a shitty person, which honestly you could have found out in just a couple more dates. Yeah. But since the pressure is to have sex very, very early, you're not getting the information you need to deem if he's worthy of your vagina. Exactly. Understand your vagina is so valuable and it is like a gift. Like pussy is a gift to men. Understand the the value and the power in that. I know that like liberal feminists like pussy is a privilege. Yeah, it is a privilege. Okay. Weirdly enough, weirdly like liberal feminists like devalue the value of women's, you know, sexuality. I really hate that understand that the greatest thing you can ever do to a guy is fuck him. So like the greatest thing that a man, <laughs> the greatest thing that a man can ever experience with a woman is sex. Like literally like in biology, like every single male of every single species, the entire reason why they exist uh, and do what they do is to compete with each other to try and pass on their genes. Like they literally live their entire life to try to fuck. And yeah, like it's the same with humans. Like don't give that up too easily. Yeah, I'm like, animals are pickier than humans are being encouraged It's embarrassing, be. really. It's, it is. Honestly, I'm like, female animals don't fuck a lot of males right away. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times, like, these guys have to do some, like, they have to try multiple times. Birds especially. They, yeah. yeah. If you look at peacocks, right, the male is, like, parading his ass out just to get the attention of women. It's and he's still, uh, of, like, the female <laughs> peacock, and he still gets aired, like... Honestly, like, like look up, look up how like, many look male up birds peacocks. get swerved after they like bowerbird. Look up and bowerbirds. how they mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even like the Japanese white-eyed bird. I I follow these birds on Instagram. They're such cute little birds, but they're monogamous as well. So <gasps> if they find a male that doesn't preen them, so basically, like I think they do like something with their feathers, which is preening. They go and find another bird yeah. to do it for them, yeah. who does a better job. And I'm just like, honestly, so many women could learn from Japanese white-eyed birds. Like there was this one. She was called Princess BB. She was an absolute queen, and she like dumped her boyfriend when he stopped like preening her properly for a younger bird who did it better you go girl you go girl she literally dumped him and they were all like i mean they were all raised by the same owner so you literally saw like the dumped bird like in the corner and she was with her new boyfriend like all snuggled up in bed i was like yes you go girl this is the power men want to take away from you yeah queen even fucking birds get it like even birds get it so there's no reason why we can't yeah or uh lie seven women of his own race are too demanding and feminist and masculine and that's why he has to date outside of his race so we just did an episode on that one yeah listen to our episode on racial fetishization because um and colorism it's called scamming and solidarity colorism and racial fetishization combating those things so yeah (laughs) like i I, i've i mean white men 
they'll like kind of take me for granted. They won't like say this stuff to my face, but I see these kinds of uh, narratives all the time on the internet about men complaining about white women or Western women being too demanding or too entitled or too feminist or whatever. Uh, and how they want to go to Asia or Eastern Europe to find a submissive trad wife. I mean, my own fucking father did that. Found <laughs> An Asian woman, half his age, uh, less than half his age. Uh, she's only like a few years older than me. That's the fucked up thing. Um, <laughs> to, um, yeah, like because he w- thought she was going to be a submissive trad wife. And uh, guess what? Turns out she's not. She's actually, he ended up getting a, a tiger woman instead. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, good for good for her, honestly. Yeah, I think that's enough said on that one. Cool. So listen to that episode because we go into detail about racial fetishization. Eight. It doesn't matter when you have sex with a man. If he likes you, he'll treat you the same. So first of all, I will say that um, if a man is shitty to you because you had sex with him on the first date, guaranteed he's going to be shitty to you later, even if you make him wait. Um, because those kinds of men, they um, they have the the kind of like Madonna whore complex. Um, and even if he treats you well, he probably also treats other women badly, like who, who don't make him wait. Like these kinds of guys are usually slut shamers and look down on women who he, uh, who he deems to be like too loose. And so I wouldn't, I personally would not want to date a man, even if he treats me well and respects me because I made him wait. If he doesn't respect other women, I wouldn't trust him. Um, yeah, I mean, the guys that there's plenty of men that will treat you differently. And those are guys that you would want to weed out. But then there's also men who like there's ways of avoiding them without having sex with them. Like this is another yeah, thing exactly where like live fems be like, fuck them on the first date to see if these the kind of guy to slut shame you. And it's like, there's other That's ways. Dumb. Of vetting I don't that. understand why they do that. Why are they so like self-destructive like because- that? self-destructive and just like can't strategize to save their life i feel like it's so easy to manipulate them (laughs) like it's kind of frustrating and i can understand like we're young and like or like if you're young and you don't know any better but i'm i'm talking to like the maybe maybe the older feminists are just pushed out that could be it they're not maybe they do know and they're not telling us no it's because the only stories that get publicized on like mainstream media are ones that suit the dominant narrative right the so narrative that's true you know yeah. men who own these media companies they want women to put out sooner so they of course they use their entire fucking media company that they own to put out this kind of propaganda um mm. yeah so and, and and even if he's a good guy sometimes having sex too soon can just like um create a sense of intimacy sooner than a person is ready for and really like sooner than you should be ready for like the whole love at first sight thing and it can work out, right? You can have sex. He can actually genuinely like you and not necessarily be the type of guy to judge you, but it could also create a false sense of intimacy when you don't actually know each other well. Mm-hmm. And that could make a person want to pull back a little bit just because they want to establish getting, really getting to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, men like variety. So it's okay if he has a wandering eye or flirts with other women. It doesn't mean he doesn't respect you. Mm. <laughs> we all like variety. Yeah, women like variety too, right? <laughs> it's just not an excuse. So um, it's more, again, like, it's one thing for a man to notice that other women are attractive. But if he's like, you know, eye fucking women in public or, you know, like staring at a woman's boobs, like some porn sick, nasty scrote, then he's probably... Or if he's following Instagram, um, if he's following Instagram stash traps, if he watches porn, all of that is bullshit. Yeah, it's a sign of a bad character. So yeah, like that's that kind of behavior. It's like it it is. It's not even about him not respecting you. It means he's not a respectful person 
in general, like towards women. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I, some men that I meet in real life, they do that thing where they like stare at my boobs or like stare at my ass when they think I'm not looking. And it just makes me really uncomfortable. It makes me feel like a piece of meat and a bunch of like hungry wolves are around me. You know, it just makes women uncomfortable. Most men who like the men that I've met who are decent men, they're aware of that and they don't want women to feel uncomfortable. So they'll like avoid yeah. staring because they don't want her to feel like she's being like, you know, she's being preyed on or he doesn't want her, her to be afraid. So yeah, like the kind of guy that checks out other women like that are shitty and they lack empathy for women. It's big coomer energy. Yeah. It's it's one thing to see someone attractive. It's another thing to like legit be making them uncomfortable and disrespecting your your girlfriend or wife in the process. Yeah. And then so, the flirting no with other necking. women, that's also a red flag of like emotional cheating. Um, and it's also like, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of like dread game, you know, dread game where the guy like pretends like, oh, you know, I can get other women like, you know, that kind of thing. Like some men will do this as a deliberate, like I consider it a form of emotional abuse where the man like pretends like he could be cheating or, you know, could get another woman as a way of making his partner feel devalued and less special. And so that she feels like, you know, anxious and eager to please him. I think that's a, like men who deliberately flirt with other women to make the partner feel insecure are also shitty men who aren't worth dating. So number 10, Slutty girls never get good guys. Only perfect women get good men. There's a lot of women really mad that that didn't turn out to be true. Yeah. Yeah. They try to virtue signal and be like the wifey type, so to speak. And they'll be very, very surprised when when they're not chosen over women who are quote unquote loose. But this was, but this was also peddled a lot to me growing up in a religious background. Um, And I know quite a few people who felt really I mean they weren't I mean they didn't feel hard done by because ultimately I think there are drawbacks to just like sleeping around generally with men but at the same time they felt like they they were robbed of the chance to explore their sexuality on their own terms Mm -hmm. and you know, that's my only wish for women when it comes to sex. If you want to have a lot of sex, if you want to have, you know, no sex, that's absolutely fine. Just make sure that you're doing it on your own terms and not because you think if I sleep with him sooner, you know, he's going to stay with me. Similarly, just, I just hope that they also don't think that if I, you know, remain a virgin, I will get um, a really nice guy because like, then you're not making that choice uh, for yourself, you're actually making it for someone else. All of all of these choices revolve around men. The extremely promiscuous women as well as yeah, exactly, the very exactly. tightly controlled women. They're two sides of the same narrative controlled by men, right? And we've done our best to try to highlight the areas in which there's women that they sleep around because they have low self-esteem. And then, yes, sometimes it's hard for them to get in relationships or because they don't, um, or they're in relationships where they're treated terribly because they haven't established um, good boundaries. And we hope to like you know, with FDS to help them avoid those kinds of things. But then there's the women that are just sitting around, like, not playing the game at all and trying to um, virtue signal that they're going to be good virginal wives. And then they may get married and then those guys exploit them in, in the other ways. There's a lot of trad wives that find out that, oh, I'm the virginal wife. But then he's got, like, a mistress on the side that, you know, they do the whole Madonna horse split. So in anytime you're not having sex in your own terms, vetting men f- to create beneficial sexual encounters for yourself, then you are uh, not approaching sex effectively to get what you want. Yeah, I see. I see a lot of disappointed women on trad Twitter who are angry that trad men don't really seem to be into them. Um, 
Like they, like men, you know, trad men will criticize women for being too loose or for wearing makeup or for doing this and this, but those are the women that they chase, right? Like they'll, exactly. right? Like trad yeah. women are mad that the men that they're into, the trad men chase the quote unquote thoughts. Didn't Tammy Loren go off on that? Tammy Loren went off on that, like in a pretty infamous um, Facebook grant where she was talking about like, I'm tired of them passing up good women for all these thoughts. And it's like, you, you don't understand what's going on here yet. Yeah, it's like she's still blaming the thoughts and then seeing she thinking she can reason with these guys not to chase them. I'm like, that's not that's not how this works. Like, the thing is, you have to completely not give a fuck what men think and operate as what's best for you. They'll fall in line because they don't have a choice. Yes. Hold the fucking line. That's the thing. Like more women need to be like on code and hold the line and stop, uh, you know, attacking other women or blaming other women for men's shitty behavior. Because first of all, it's not going to change anything. The problem is with men's shitty behavior, not with other women. Um, and secondly, yeah, you're not holding them accountable. Like if you make it more difficult for them to be fuckboys, then they're not going to be fuckboys. Yeah. Or make it not worth it for them. I know this is an oft requested rep- episode and the types of values that I learned and a lot of other people learned coming from religious backgrounds and how that fucked us up. So this is, this is part of the ways in which women self-sabotage um, who come from a tribe mm-hmm. background. Yeah. Lie number 11. If you don't have sex right away with a high value man, you'll lose him because what you won't do, another girl will. I am so tired of this. This is like definitely like Abuelita type advice. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, what you do you do? I don't get it. What? Like old women in your family, like, if you don't do it, another man, another woman will. If you don't fix your man a plate, another woman will. You know, oh, they're always okay. doing that thing where they shame younger women in the family to doing all these service tasks and men. Yeah. Damn, my grandma would you never tell me to man. fuck a guy soon. <laughs> if you don't fuck your man, cubs and faith will. You know, they. it's always like... Uh, <laughs> And forced, or at least at least the way that it's been forced to me has come from other women. It's a very pick me logic. It's like if you won't do that for him, another woman will. The implication being like me, I'll be the other woman. Like, and the manosphere ran with this, right? So they're like, that's why they don't want women to prolong having sex longer than three dates because they're like, oh, if he's a high value man with a lots of options, then why would he sit around and wait for sex for you? And it's like, well, again, it's a different definition of high value because men define high value as like someone who's really hot and can treat women like shit and has a ton of sexual partners that's not someone that i would consider high value um a high value man and if he dumps you because you didn't have sex with him then by definition he's not high value he didn't like you yeah (laughs) he didn't like you exactly like yeah exactly like if a guy's willing to have another have sex with another girl because i won't or dumps me because i didn't put out fast enough then he's not high value like automatically he's self-disqualified Sometimes the trash takes itself out. And I, I think a lot of these guys, especially because we talk about, we've talked about, um, I don't actually did, did we talk about on this podcast, we talked about athletes or like other guys that people would perceive to be high value men and the difference between like how they treat women they're interested in versus like the cavalcade of women that they can have sex with. Like you're going to be doing the exact same thing. All the rest of the women who are having, trying to have sex with them are doing, which is like putting out really soon, hoping it'll hook him and it won't. Right. Yeah. Cause there's all these other women doing that. Like, yeah. And so often you'll see these guys, like they'll get with women that like weren't doing, they, they've been chasing, right? Like they're the ones that reached out to them on Instagram or they're women that they knew from, you know, high school or something like that or college that they uh, went to the league with. So it's women they already built a relationship with. And generally it's, it's them still putting in the effort to talk to the women that they eventually end up in relationships with. So believe it or not, 
even with like the that these guys that still have a lot of sexual options, they don't inherently respect those options more than the women who wait. Yeah. But it's really hard to tell that on the outside because you think, well, why would I wait? You know, why would he wait for me, et cetera, et cetera. But no, it's like the guys, if they want a woman, they will wait for her. That's just the way every man is like that. (laughs) I actually want to tell a personal experience about this. So some men, not only will they wait more than three dates, um, the guy I'm seeing right now, well, we're kind of like, it's not like official yet, but we're kind of like, we've been on dates and stuff. Um, uh, He's actually been my friend for three years. We used to be work rivals originally, but then we became friends. Um, so it's like a enemies to friends to lovers story. I don't know, but no, like we've known each other for three years. and I know this guy's been in love with me for three years and we didn't get together because like either I'd be in a relationship or he'd be in a relationship or, you know, uh, we were working together originally and stuff. So, um, yeah, but the, the men who are like really, 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 really into you, they will wait three years. And for me, hell yeah, there's nothing more that, that to me, there's nothing, there's no greater feeling than being with someone who loves you more than you love them. Like, I, I do like him. Like, he's a good man. He's a good guy. He is. He's my friend. Um, but I like that he's, like, really in love with me. I just, I just, makes me feel good, you know? It makes me feel safe. I don't like the feeling of, like, you know, feeling like, oh, I have to put out with him soon so that in order for him to like me, because that implies, like, that you like him more than you, than he likes you. And I don't like that. I don't like feeling like I don't have as much power in the relationship. So number 12, and this is the last one we'll do before. This is going to be a three-part series, uh, but this is the last one for this episode, which is line number 12, losing your virginity is a magical experience that will change your life forever. This is, again, I think a myth perpetuated by trad culture, and it's a way to get women... Yeah, and religion. ...basically control their sexuality so that they are nice virginal wives for their future husbands and the entire cult around preserving virginity. Um, I was one of those people that grew up in the like purity ball era and the, um, you know, the purity ring era. So What's I purity ball? am intimate. Oh Lord. It was like the most, <laughs> okay. I didn't go cause me and my dad don't have that great a relationship, but um, it was basically, um, it was like a daddy daughter dance. And what would, what? Yeah, what would happen is um, what? the father... the Well, it's kind of cute, but kind of creepy at the same time, where the father would uh, vow to protect his daughter until she was ready. He was ready to give her away in marriage when she got older. So it was, it was like a daddy-daughter dance, and like Ew. they would have them sometimes when they were really young. Kind of gross. And the idea was to like pledge your allegiance to protecting your daughter's innocence, and then your daughter would like pledge to protect her innocence for her daddy. Yeah, it's... That's kind of gross. I'm going to stay a virgin for my dad. <laughs> It's like weirdly incestuous. <laughs> they didn't, it wasn't that explicit because you were sometimes dealing with young kids. Um, cause sometimes the girls would be young, but like that was the subtext there that like their dad was protecting their femininity, you know, for their future, mm. you know, basically. And then also like their dad would take them out on a date and like a night, it was, it was almost like a daddy daughter prom. And the idea is that like, you would treat your daughter really well so that if a guy came into their life, then they would have to treat them just as well. And he's going to protect her and make sure he's always treated well. So like there was like, it was kind of good stuff with a bunch of super weird Christian-y stuff and a bunch of really creepy patriarchal shit, right? About men owning women's sexuality Mm. um so um yeah so then what happens is they hype it up so much that i mean when i first had sex it was it it? was fine but it was (laughs) yeah yeah exactly like were you just like yeah that wasn't (laughs) nearly 
as big of a deal as people try to make it. It wasn't, it was like I had sex. The first guy I had sex with was a guy I was in a relationship with and I was in love with him, but it wasn't like this magical experience. Like I remember forever, you know, like it it happened Mm -hmm. and it was, it was, it was not great the first time because I didn't know what I was doing. My first time was actually incredibly awkward and I have, I low key, like, like it's one of those like embarrassing thoughts that keeps me up at night. You know, like, when you're lying in bed and you'll just randomly have like a cringy memory. That's one of those, like losing my virginity is one of those cringy memories. So, I mean, I kind of sympathize with women who want it to be special, who want to wait. Um, Cause if your first experience is bad, then that's also going to be unpleasant. Um, but I don't, I, I, well, I, I waited. And it was still not great because I still didn't know how to communicate anything sexually. So that gets kind of mm-hmm. sucks because I did wait to a person who I was in love with and thought this would be great. And then he had, we had sex and I felt, I didn't, I didn't even know how to feel. I just felt kind of empty almost. Cause I was like, well, this didn't live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, right. I, so it's almost, yeah. It's the hype. That's the problem though. Right. So, um, the hype and then the lack of, um, uh, teaching women how to vet men sexually and then how to communicate sexual boundaries in a way that makes sense. Like I had no clue. Yeah. So like that has, that's the language that we're missing about how to go from virgin to non-virgin and how do you prep yourself for that? Like there's, um, I remember we had a Twitter space with an older feminist woman who was talking about like in the seventies to talk about erogenous zones and then like the kinds of things to do to really like get your, like things to get wet. like your cervix is high up. So it's not as painful. Like there's so many things to do. Did absolutely none of that my first time. So it was sort of painful. And so like, it wasn't traumatic. I don't feel like my boyfriend at the time was trying to hurt me or anything, but it just like, it just wasn't good. And it felt like low key, like, Oh, okay. I just physically feel a little bit like icky. I don't know. You know? Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we almost need to be more honest about like the fact that the first time you have sex is probably not going to be magical. I mean, I, I, I want to teach women like, um, the problem with this myth is that it implies that like the, the first time you have sex is going to be like inherently magical, but you almost have to create that sexual experience for yourself. Like we need to be more honest with girls that, um, a lot of sexual experiences are bad you know and here's some some mm. reasons why it might be bad and here's some ways that you can avoid a bad experience right so I, I do feel like we need to be more honest with girls before losing you know before they lose their virginity like you know it can be a good experience but you know you, there here you know there are steps f- to make sure that it's not a bad experience you know what i mean i feel like not only are women faking orgasms they're faking sex stories about their virginity that's like that's what i sometimes feel happens in media where where you don't want to say it was bad or you want to like kind of hype it up like, Oh, I did this and this happened. So you feel like you're more in control of the situation, but then if a bunch of women aren't being honest, then we're not actually getting, we're not actually getting good sex that we deserve like the first time out. Right. Like you want to, you want to build up to that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. So FDS is fighting to create the language so that we can hopefully not have next generation of women don't suffer from this stuff. Yeah, that's the goal of FDS is we're trying to educate the next generation of women such that their mm-hmm. first sexual experiences are not traumatic. And enjoyable. Not even traumatic is the low bar. Like, we want it to be good. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like the rule says losing your virginity is a magical experience. First of all, I want to say on the change your life forever, first of all, like, men are not important. Like, their dick is not important no, to not. change who a woman is. <laughs> right? It's not. So, that, first of all. Secondly, like, I would actually like it if we could get to a place where a woman losing her virginity is a magical experience and isn't, like, either traumatic or boring uh, by teaching women... Oh, just straight shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, like, that's... 
that's not how things are right now, but we'd like it to get there kind of thing. But we're not there yet, but we will. Yeah, so that's um, part one on our three-part series of the 37 lies you were taught about men. So we'll do part two and part three um, in the next couple of months uh, so we can go over some of these concepts. And we're going to continue to record episodes uh, on these individual concepts in more depth. So stay tuned for that. Uh, That's our show. Check us out at fem.strat on Twitter. Also, Jen, our Instagram. We're trying to do an Instagram push here. Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Also, our Patreon weekly bonus content. There's a Discord. You can also, uh, if you're a man who's listening to this and you don't like, even if you don't believe, if you don't believe that we're correctly outlining the lies that you guys are telling, then t- tell us all about it on our Scrooge Strike Back tier on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. Uh, thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scrouts out there, stop the lies. Time out. <laughs>